bulletin board out there, we have a place where you can sign up for the men's and women's breakfast and also for the women's luncheon that is coming up. And we encourage you to do that. I think you'd be really blessed, really, really blessed. Um, next week we have, it's next week, right? We have planned, uh, or we have New Hope uh, Pregnancy Crisis Center that will be coming here. And so we encourage you to be here and maybe to invite some friends as well. They're going to share a little bit at the beginning of both services. And it's such a beautiful ministry because the world is sick. And the world teaches something that is not only unbiblical, but it's actually impractical and illogical. And um, it's just such a devastating thing to consider the fact that a 15-year-old girl, I remember back when I was teaching, this was the case, and a 15-year-old girl can go and have an abortion without her parents' permission, but she can't go and see an R-rated movie. You know what I'm saying? If she can't go to the nurse and get an aspirin, have an aspirin given to her because of her age. And uh, it's a holocaust. It's a devastating holocaust. And so um, I encourage you to be here. I think it will be a blessing and an encouragement to us to find that there is a Christian group that provides alternative services for young women. It's, it's going to be a blessing. So anyway, um, let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name and how we thank you for your word. Your word is true in the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. And Father, as we break open this portion of Scripture, I pray that it would speak to our hearts. It would break through all the dross of this world and just give us a clear vision of who you are and what it means to be a believer. And so come now, Lord, and minister to us by your Holy Spirit and fill us with all things, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I have a weird imagination. You guys know that. And um, when I was uh, working on the message this week, I just had this crazy thought. You know, I was thinking about the crucifixion and the resurrection. And remember the very last thing that Jesus said before he died physically. We have to remember Jesus was 100% human and 100% God. We have to understand that. The Bible is very clear. He's fully God, fully man. And it wasn't God who died on the cross. God can't die. It was the humanity of Jesus Christ that died on the cross. He lived a life perfect. He never sinned one time. And so, therefore, that made him the perfect sacrifice for sin. And so when he hung on that cross, he was thinking of every single one of us and died for all of our sin. And I love, in fact, it's the only time it tells us in Scripture we cried, that he cried out. You know, you go and you see movies where he's screaming and crying through the whole thing. I don't know what that was like, whether he did or not. But Scripture tells us, like a lamb before a shearer is dumb, he opened not his mouth. So nothing would indicate in Scripture that he was, you know, writhing and screaming and crying and so forth during the crucifixion. The only time it tells us he cried out is when he cried out and he said, It is finished. He started off by saying Psalm 22. And he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he was quoting Psalm 22. And that Psalm 22 was all prophecy about the Messiah coming, being crucified, and rising from the dead. He was quoting that Psalm. And then he said, it is finished, to tell a story. And that word literally means, it's a legal term, and it literally means paid in full. And this is the crazy thought that went through my head. I'm thinking, there's a demonic realm. There's a spiritual realm out there that we can't see, Right? 
The Bible tells us that. It's very clear. So there is a spiritual realm out there. And I wonder if when Jesus died on the cross and he said, paid in full, we understand that after he died physically, that his human spirit would have been resurrected, you know, instantly. And that's when he went to hell and he preached to the captives and so forth. But I wonder if when he was being crucified, all the demons of hell were just you know, laughing and, you know, dancing around, you know, oh, he's dying, he's going to die. And then when he said to tell a story, paid in full, and his, and his spirit rose right up in victory and in power if the demons didn't just, I mean, run and scream and try to hide in every way they could. Because Jesus went, it tells us, and he spoke to the captives. When he went down to Tartarus, when he went down to the, you know, the, the bosom of Abraham, to paradise, and he went down there and it says he set the captives free. He said, I'm here. The price has been paid in full. You're free. And so all the righteous in God he took as, a, as it were a train to heaven, Scripture tells us. What an amazing thing to think of the victory our God has given us. And here's the, here's the exciting thing. He still gives that same victory. That day that you committed your life to Jesus Christ and you were born again to Telestoy, bam, paid in full, was stamped in your forehead. And you belong to God and you're going to heaven. And what a beautiful thing that is to have that assurance. And, and anyway, in this portion, uh, it might seem disjointed with what I'm talking about, but I think as we get into it, we'll find out it's not. Um, as was mentioned, Pastor Frank Jr. is not here uh, today. He is actually at Giant Stadium, and he is a, uh, with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and he's a chaplain, and it's a professional, the professional competition that takes place in Giant Stadium. And he's down there, Marty Putman and a few others, and Frank's two boys are down there, and they're able to actually go right out and minister to the writers. It's unbelievable. So keep them in prayer. I'm going to start off by just sharing a verse from Jeremiah chapter 9, 29 and verse 11. And it says, For I know the thoughts, God is speaking to you and I, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So the thoughts God has for us are always positive. It's never, boy, you're going to get yours. Or, boy, this is, it's always, I know the thoughts I have for you. You're going to have a future and a hope. And here's what we have to understand. No matter what is going on in the world, and the world's going crazy, right? No matter what might be going on in our lives, and sometimes our lives are crazy, God has a future and a hope for us. Because one day, every single one of us are going to shed this physical mortal body, whether it's in death and we go to be with the Lord, or whether it's in the rapture and we set aside this physical and put on the spiritual and meet the Lord in the air. But every one of us are going to shed all of the problems and difficulties and hardships of this life and be with the Lord where it tells us there's no more tears, there's no more sorrow. Can you imagine? You're going to wake up every day and you won't be thinking, I wonder what today's going to be like. You're going to, well, actually, you won't even wake up. You'll never sleep. And you're going to be thinking, hallelujah, God is good. It's all the time. Everything is great. So it's so wonderful to know that none of God's commands, as we're going to be reading, are harsh. None of God's commands are harsh or given to keep us in tow. But his commands are given out of love that our life would be full of peace 
and also full of joy. And I want to make uh, a point here, and uh, that is there's a difference between joy and being happy. Did you know that? There's a huge difference between joy and being happy. In Nehemiah 8.10, and yes, that is a book in the Bible. In Nehemiah, um, did you know he was the shortest man in the Bible? His name was Nehemiah the Shuhite. It's actually Shumanite, but anyway, the Shuhite. <clears throat> First time I heard that was a long, long time ago. Anyway, um, but anyway, it says, Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You see, happiness depends on what's happening, right? Everything's going good, I'm happy. Everything's going bad, I'm unhappy. So happiness depends on our circumstances, everything that's going on around us. But joy, brothers and sisters, is within. It's from knowing the fact that we belong to Jesus Christ, that our souls have been redeemed, and we're going to be with the Lord forever. So no matter what's going on around us, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we can withstand all of the pitfalls of this world and all the, uh, the devices of Satan. Joy is not a feeling we have to understand. Did you know that? It's a gift from God. In Galatians 5.22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. What's the next one? Joy. And then peace. Joy is a gift from God. No matter what's going on around me, I have joined the Lord. All of us have experienced great sorrow at different times, especially when it's the sorrow of losing someone you really love. But yet there's a joy. There's a joy in there of knowing that God's word is true and that we're only separated by death for a short time. For a short time. And we'll be together again for all eternity. And this life will just be a bad memory in so many ways, I'm sure. Now, one thing I know is this. I have the most peace when I'm walking in obedience to the Lord and I have the greatest anxiety when I'm walking in disobedience to the Lord, right? Now, none of us are perfect. That would be wonderful, but uh, none of us are perfect. Only Jesus was perfect. And so we walk with the Lord at times and then at times we don't walk with the Lord. But we all recognize that when we're walking with the Lord, we have the greatest peace. So What should our desire be to have this peace and joy that only comes from God? To do whatever is necessary in order to be in his presence, to to experience that peace. And brothers and sisters, that comes with fellowship, of being with him. And that's what this portion is going to be getting into as well. We need to be with the Lord to experience his peace, to experience his joy, the fellowship that we can have only in him. And... um, So I just really encourage you that no matter what yesterday was, no matter what this morning was, to really take time to set yourself apart to be with the Lord and to spend time in his word, to spend time in prayer. But not only his word and prayer, spend time in fellowship with him. And those of you um, who've experienced what I'm talking about, you know what I mean. I mean, you can read the Word, and you can pray, and it's, and, and, and it's good. I always tell people when we read God's Word, He's talking to us, and when we pray, we're talking to Him. 
But then there is something that goes even beyond that when you sense the Lord's presence and you're in that fellowship with him. And it's like, Lord, I don't want to leave this place. And you all know what I'm talking about. And, um, and one of the other things we're going to be looking at in this particular portion of Scripture <clears throat> is that every aspect of ministry is important, even the smallest job. I think sometimes we think <clears throat> only those who have the greatest jobs in, in ministry and in, in the Christian you know, realm are, are going to be the greatest you know, rewarded. Scripture tells us contrary. The fact is that we all, every part of the body is equal. We all share together in the reward of ministry. It tells us when one part suffers, we all suffer. When one part rejoices, we all rejoice, even to the smallest part. And so we have to understand whatever you're doing. Maybe your ministry is to pray. Maybe you sit home and you pray for, for this fellowship and pray for you know, the people of this fellowship. Great ministry. Maybe your ministry is to come in and clean. Whatever it is, God blesses it. So now we're picking up in Ephesians. See, I'm trying to fool you. In Exodus, I just saw the. Anyway, Exodus 35, and we're going to start off by looking at verses 1 through 9. Exodus 35, 1 through 9. Then Moses gathered all. Not some, not a few, not just the men, not just the women, but all, men, women, and children, gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together and said to them, these are the words which the Lord has commanded you to do. He's telling them all, this is what God wants of you. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh day shall be a holy day for you, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire throughout your dwellings on the Sabbath day. Now, maybe I'm adding more to this than I should, but the fact we're going to find as we go through the rest of chapter 35, not only in the first service but in the second, we're going to find how often women are included. Specifically, women are included. Because we have to understand that in Jesus Christ there's neither male nor female, Right? There's neither Roman or Sensian, you know, Greek or free or slave. We're all one in Christ. Now, this might seem like a stretch of this portion of Scripture, but when it talks about no fires, you know, being, being kindled on the Sabbath, I think that was a, a special gift to women. In other words, you don't have the labor of cooking on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is set apart just to worship me and to rest in me. So you don't have to cook. And so, ladies, you need to tell your husbands that on Sundays they've got to take you out to eat. No, but I'm saying, uh, amen. But the point, I, the point I'm making is that seriously we have to realize that um, we need to consider not only the needs of one group of people, but always be considering the needs of every group of people, whether they're men, women, or children in our fellowship, we need to consider their needs. I think that's what the Lord is trying to tell us here. Verse 4, And Moses spoke to all, notice, not just some, all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord, whoever is of a willing heart. Let him bring it as an offering to the Lord, gold, silver, and bronze, 
blue, purple, and scarlet thread. Fine linen and goat hair, uh, ram skins dyed red, badger skins and acacia wood, oil for the uh, light and spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod uh, and in the breastplate. So all these things that we're reading about here were concerning the furnishings of the temple, of the tabernacle. The temple was built under uh, Solomon, but the tabernacle was a tent dwelling in the wilderness. And so all these things were for the furnishings of the tabernacle and also for the garbs of the priests, everything that they were supposed to put together. And then we have to understand that every part of this was meant for our worship of God, for their worship of God. And one of the things we'll find as we you know, continue on in our teachings in Exodus, that every aspect of it was how we approach God. I mean, the first thing you have to do in approaching God is to offer up your sacrifice, and that's why you had the, the brazen altar outside, even outside the tabernacle. And then the priests had to wash themselves. We're supposed to be washed with the Holy Spirit before they entered into the holy place. There's a whole process of getting into the Holy of Holies and being before the Lord. So all the furnishings we're going to find is a process that we can relate to in our lives as Christians in the way that we come into the Holy of Holies to be before the Lord. Now... Um, so anyway, this portion uh, starts off with Moses g- gathering together all the con- congregation. Not just some, but all the congregation, men, women, and children. And I believe that there is something special when all the congregation meets together. When we're all here together, it's very special. And that's the thing that we have to understand in Thessalonians, it talks about, especially in the last days, it says this. It says, do not. Now, that is a command. It's not, it would be nice if you didn't. It says, do not forsake the gathering of yourself together as some have grown accustomed to. But come together and all the more as you see that day approaching. And so we have to realize that when it talks about being gathered together, the only other place that that Greek term is used is when we're gathered together to meet the Lord in the air. So the church is to gather together. For what purpose? To worship the Lord, to encourage one another as we see that day approaching. There's something special about it. You know when you have a big family dinner and all the kids and grandkids are home and you all get to sit around the table together, it is special, right? I mean, we all feel it. Well, that's the way it is when we all gather together on Sunday morning. It's a chance for us to come together as a family for the purpose of feasting on the things of God, worshiping the Lord. Now, it's too bad, because this, of course, is the case. It's too bad that the Lord's Day, for so many, has become a legalistic obligation. You know, it's kind of um, a work to be performed in order to be closer to the Lord. But the thing we have to understand, religion has holy days of obligation. Christianity has relationship through faith and grace. And so we realize that when we come together on Sunday morning, it's not some holy day of obligation. You know, well, you missed church because your children were in town. Probably lightning will strike you and kill you. (laughs) You know, 
That's not what it's talking about. We should gather together. We should come together to encourage one another in the Lord. But it's freely, out of love and a desire. It's not some holy obligation. And, of course, that's all religion. Religion makes the Lord's Day a holy day of obligation. In reality, reality, the Lord's Day is a gift, a gift from God, a day to be able to set aside life in this world. I'm always glad to be able to set aside life in this world. Aren't you? I mean, I really am. Life is, is tough at times. In fact, life is very difficult at times. In fact, life can be very harsh at times. So to have one day a week where we set all that aside and we gather together for the purpose of worshiping the Lord, it's so beautiful. And that's the reason um, God, I think, gave us music. And your music is all through the Old Testament. Music, if you read Revelation, music is all, all through heaven. But I believe that when we come together on Sunday morning, the first thing we do is we worship. And I believe what that does is it just calms our hearts and spirits and it helps us set all the things of this world aside that we can just stand in his presence. It's such an awesome thing to be in the presence of the Lord. And you know, there's something special about setting everything aside and being in intimate fellowship with your Lord. Now, I'm going to share something with you. And for those of you that are married, pay attention. Those of you that are getting married, pay attention, okay? And here's what I'm going to share. If you don't have in your heart the belief that your spouse is a lot more than you deserve, then you're never going to have the kind of love for one another you should have. I'll tell you what, Jesus is a lot more than I deserve. And that's why it's so important, pay attention married couples and those of you that are getting married, that's why it's so important for you as a married couple to have times that you set life and the world aside and you get apart by yourselves. Whether it's just for an evening, to go out to dinner, or maybe, uh, you know, when your kids are older and out of the house, maybe it's a chance for you to just get away for a day or two. Just to set all of the routines of life aside for one reason, to be with your soulmate, to be with the one you love, to be able to communicate, to be able to talk. And it really is able to just build that bond of love between the two of you. Now, you see the illustration that I'm giving that's for everyone, and that is this. We also need to have those times to get alone, to be with the Lord. You know, and and, uh, you've heard about Club Med for people that go on vacation. Well, when we gather together here, it's it's Club Lord. (laughs) You know, we're coming together to worship the Lord. What a beautiful time and place it is to be with him. Now, um, to me, the Lord's Day is a demonstration of his grace and a demonstration of his compassion and his mercy towards us. He gives us one day a week to set aside all normal activities to be in fellowship with him. You know, I think about this. Think about sports fans. You talk about people that are fanatical. We talk, you know, fans, fanatical. Uh, You know, people go to sporting events, you know, and and the guys come out with no shirts on with a picture of their, you know, their favorite team on it and stuff like that. I mean, they're all excited. 
I mean, maybe some of the guys need to come here and have Jesus written on crossing. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. But the point is, sports fans are really into it. I mean, they're really excited about what? Watching a game that their team is probably going to lose. <laughs> if you're a Giants fan. <laughs> anyway, uh, but you know, what I, you know what I'm talking about. And we're coming together, and we're always part of the team that's going to win. Always. What a blessing it is. You know, and, and um, this is an interesting thought to think about. We all love a campfire, right? Especially when it's a little bit chilly outside in the evening, and a lot of us have those fire pits, and you build a nice campfire, and you set aside, and that fire is just burning and glowing. Now, if you take one of the hottest embers, you know, you had one of those tweezer things, and you take one of the hottest embers in that fire, and you take it out of the fire, and you set it aside in the ground, you know what's going to happen to that ember? It's going to start going out. You pick that ember back up and put it back in the fire, and it comes alive and glows. There's something about being together in our worship of the Lord. And I don't mean just only or only when we come together on the Lord's Day on Sunday. I'm talking about when we're together in the work of the Lord in heart and spirit. We're working together to serve God. We burn as a fire for the Lord. And it's amazing how um, the Lord can provide opportunities. Um, we're at St. Joe's Imaging, of all places, this week for x-rays. And um, anyway, while uh, we were there, there was this older woman who was... You know what, what's funny? It's all, the older women are always those at least four or five years older than you, right? You know, I mean... Kids look at me and say, you're an old man. No, no, they're old, not me. But anyway, there was an older woman who was, who was brought in, and it really was kind of, you know, she was brought in by one of those caravans, whatever they call them, you know, those medical things. And, and the guy brought her in, got her seated in the chair, and he left, you know, with, with the wheelchair. And then they called her name to come in, and she couldn't get up. And so I, I went over and, and, you know, to offer. She looked at me and she said, I don't think you can do it. She did. <laughs> and I sit down, okay. <laughs> and um, anyway, finally they brought a wheelchair and they got her in it and they took her in for her x-ray. And Vi was already uh, in there at this time as well. And uh, so this one guy who had come in, he was probably about Vi's age and, you know, big, you know, husky, you know big kind of guy. And uh, he was sitting there and he goes, you know, together we could have taken her. And I said, I know. And then he said, boy, it's nice to have support, isn't it? Then the guy got into telling me that he has no family. And I said, you know, why? He said, I just don't want anything to do with him. And I had a chance to minister to him and to tell him, you know what? You're just hurting yourself in doing that. You know, what do you mean you you don't want to have anything to do with them? You, you know, and I got to witness to him and share how Jesus you know, died for us while we're yet sinners and all that. The point I'm getting at is when we are burning together as the family of God, wherever we go, we carry that torch with us, and God will use it. You, know, you want to have opportunities to witness? Just open your eyes. And don't be afraid to speak up. 
Satan wants you to be quiet. Don't be afraid to speak up. You know, you're in a line and, and, and uh, the, the clerk that's cashing you out is looking at you and talking to you like, if I had the opportunity, I would probably kill you. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had that. But if you simply say, seems like there's something wrong, or how's your day going? You might be amazed of what happens. That's the only point that I'm making. We have to be willing to see opportunities and to share. And the Lord opens doors. It's just an amazing thing. Now, the offerings that we're to give to the Lord, we know it's much more than money. Right? It's much more than money. In Second Samuel chapter 24, and verse 24, it says this. And uh, Aruna, remember Aruna? King David wanted to um, buy the threshing floor of Aruna in order to uh, give an offering to the Lord, which, a matter of fact, that became where the Holy of Holies eventually would be. But he went to buy the, the threshing floor, and Aruna said to the king, you know, you want to do this to offer to the Lord? I want to give it to you for free. And David says in Second uh, Samuel 24, 24, and he says, um, uh, nor will I, offer, um, will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. So we have to understand, we have to be willing to give to the Lord that which costs us something. And I'm not necessarily talking about finances here or money. I'm talking about cost us something. I'm willing to give. <clears throat> you know, in Matthew 23 and 20, verse 23, Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe on mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done without uh, leaving the others undone. And so we have to understand we all have a responsibility to give to the work of ministry. We all have a responsibility to maintain our fellowship and so forth. But there are weightier matters that we need to consider. Love and mercy and kindness and really being a Christian example everywhere we go and willing to minister to everyone. I love what it tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. And it says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or uh, of necessity. Listen to this. For God loves a cheerful giver. Now, the Greek word that is used there for cheerful is actually more accurately translated hilarious. But probably the writers didn't think that fit that well. But this, the, what it's really telling us is God loves a hilarious giver. Can you imagine if when we're taking the offering, people are going, oh, I'll just... <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I want to give Or when we had an opportunity to help others, and we were just hilarious about it. Not necessarily outwardly looking like we need to be placed some, somewhere, but I'm talking about in our heart. Oh, I am so excited to be able to serve the Lord. I'm so excited to be able to do something for God. I think it's a beautiful thing. And... Um, because we have to understand, tithing is not a promise of blessing or 
not tithing a promise of discipline. It's an opportunity simply to be part of the ministry. And um, we also notice here that a person's giving was much more than just silver and gold, but also for the furnishings of the temple. And for us, that might indicate, you know, just for the upkeep of our facility. Like we have a work bee coming up. We actually have fun at work bees. We really do. And work bees are an opportunity for us to all come together and to make our facility more attractive. Think of what we could do around here to make it prettier. You know, if you think, well, why doesn't the pastor think of doing all those things? Because I can't, because I'm not bright enough to do that. But there's so many things. And, and when we have work bees, we have fun and we do things. And it's not that we're looking for some kind of aesthetic, you know, uh, beauty of reward. What we're talking about is making our place comfortable and attractive for us and also for those visiting. Just like in our house, we make our house attractive mostly for us who live there, but also for those that are visiting as well. Now, finishing off in verses 10 through 19 of uh, Exodus chapter 35. All who are gifted artisans among you shall come and make all the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle, its tent, its covering, its clasp, its boards, its bars, its pillars, and its, and its sockets. I mean, there's a lot of things. The ark and its poles <clears throat> with the mercy seat and all of its coverings. The table and its poles, all its utensils and the showbread. Um, also the lampstand for the light and its utensils. Do you notice how many things are mentioned and it talks about its utensils? So it's more, the lampstand is nothing. If you didn't have the oil to burn, if you didn't have the wick to burn off the oil, and if you didn't have someone to tend to it, you didn't have the cups to put it out and the things to light it up, you understand what I'm saying? And, and the same thing is true in the ministry. It's not just, you know, me standing up here preaching. You guys support every aspect of this ministry. Do you follow what I'm saying? It's so important. Verse 14 also the lampstand for the light and its utensils, its lamps, and the oil for the light, the incense altar, its poles, the anointing oil, the sweet incense, and the uh, screen for the door at the entrance of the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offerings with its bronze uh, uh, grating, its poles, let me put this away, all of its utensils, see what I'm saying, all of its utensils, all the things necessary, and the lever and uh, its base, the hangings of the court, its pillars, the sockets, and the screen of the gate uh, for the gate um, of the court, the pegs of the tabernacle, the pegs of the court and their cords, the garments of ministry for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron and uh, the priest, and the garments for his sons to minister as priests. And so you look at this, and we realize. The Lord has given us gifts that we're to use in ministry. It tells us he's the one who gave these gifts to use in ministry. We just have to be willing. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, it says this. For each one of us, grace was given, listen to this, according to the measure of Christ's gifts. He's the one who gives them according to the measure he desires. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high... He has led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. So every ability that we have to serve the Lord is a gift from God. 
It's not anything that we have innately on our own. Well, I'm just this way. No, God gives us those gifts. We're going to find in the, in the next chapter that God superimposed knowledge and understanding to these artisans to be able to make these beautiful ornaments for the tabernacle. They didn't even know how to do it. God is the one who gave it to them. And God's gifts are always for the purpose of ministry. Why? Because he wishes for none to perish, but all to come to faith. Now, each of the articles of the tabernacle, as I mentioned, have a spiritual implication. We're going to be getting into that later on as we continue moving. And the point is that the furnishings um, were not just for design, but they were a spiritual teaching for us in our approach to the Lord. Now, the Lord desires to be in fellowship with his people, but we must approach him willingly after he calls us. We have to approach him willingly. Here I am, Lord. Use me. And one thing that's worth noting is that even, you know, we read about all these articles of the temple, and, and some people might be saying, you know, I want to be the table of showbread, or I want to be the altar of incense. And the real prideful person says, I want to be the Ark of the Covenant. But how many people would say, and I'm using this euphemistically, obviously, how many people would say, I want to be a tent peg? And yet tent pegs are mentioned here. And who wants to be a tent peg? Well, guess what? If you didn't have tent pegs, guess what? The tent would fall down. And then what would anything else have any value to it? So the point I'm getting at is what has God called you to do? It might be the smallest thing. You think, oh, I'm just a tent peg. Praise God. Because the tent peg is what holds everything together. And so as we read these portions of Scripture like this, and I know every one of you on your... But we, you know, you know what chapters I'm going to be covering Read it ahead of time. Study it ahead of time. But you study these chapters and you realize how important it is for us to gather together in our worship of the Lord and to be useful to Him and to understand all usefulness, all usefulness to Him is a gift from Him. You know, it's not a matter of... of uh, I'm going to be mentioning this in the next service as well, but it's a, it, you probably have heard this before. It's, it's not our ability, but our availability that God is looking for. Well, I have nothing to offer God. Well, good. Now, you're, you're, you're right in the right place. For, if, just make yourself available, and God's going to fill you with whatever you need to serve him. You know, I just want to say before, I'm going to pray, but if there's anyone here, young or old, and you've never really committed your life to Jesus Christ, today is the day of your salvation. It's not because your parents are saved. It's not because your grandparents were saved. It's not because you come to church every week. It's a personal relationship with the Lord where you've cried out to to God and said, God, forgive me a sinner, knowing according to his word that he does forgive you, purifies you from all unrighteousness, and brings you completely into the family of God. And maybe there are some here who feel like, what can I do for the Lord? Just be available. Just be available. Father, we come before you in Jesus, Yeshua's name, and we thank you so much for the word that you've given us to be able to study and to encourage us. And I ask, Father, that your Holy Spirit would fall upon each one who's here this morning 
and that you would use them and minister to them in all of your ways. Now, Father, come and make yourself known to each one of us personally, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, my friends.